The 5-8, your Friday night hang. We take five of the week's most notable and newsworthy topics and spend eight minutes covering each one. Join me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff, Friday nights, live, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. It's the 5-8. Here's what went down on Friday. Good evening. Welcome to season four of the 5-8. Four seasons, one for each indictment. On this show, we take uh, we discuss five of the week's most fucked up topics for eight minutes each. So five topics, eight minutes, two hosts, one guest, some singing, a lot of curse words, and as many cocktails as we deem necessary. LB, how are you? I'm so well. How are you? Uh, I am. I am also uh, well. I think before we before we start, give it up, yes. Chunk, for designing that new intro. And uh, it's new club, it's so new good. club, our new it's our new yeah. bar. We there's a piano bar, we have new lights, it's amazing. It's it's expanding, it's in some some exotic city now, apparently. Um, also, shout out to all of us for putting so many people who would wind up getting indicted in our opening credits. I don't know, maybe we know what we're talking about, maybe hmm. just, just a little tiny bit. Hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, so okay, um, we had two Fridays off. Yeah. There have been two indictments in that time. Yes. I don't know. Maybe we should just keep taking Fridays keep off. Keep taking it off. Let's Put keep it, adding on the indictments. I'm, I'm not saying, you know, th th that the two things are related. Um, we have a lot to cover. I mean, just some things that we're not going to cover. Just up front. Clarence Thomas, uh, they found out he went on 38 vacations, Imagine paid vacations, that. right? Which is uh, yeah. 38 vacations is eight more than the number of unindicted co-conspirators in the Georgia indictment. Ah, oh, it's a lot. It's a lot of, you know. It's a lot. That's not that much more. Yeah. 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 When we when we really start adding things up. And then there's this like Ken Cheesebro guy, which I described him this morning as stayed, and then it turns out he was like at J six, like with Alex Jones and all this stuff. Yeah. I are we sure that he's not a Ken? from the Barbie movie. That's my question. Uh, I don't know, you know. Well, I haven't I, seen the Barbie movie yet. I haven't I had a moment and I know you want to talk about it and I'm not you might talk have about to it. wait till next week so I'm we not can talk, talk about, about this together. I think he's going to go to the uh, Maga Dojo Casa Big House is what's going to happen to that. Is that what's going to happen? That's okay. What's happen to is it pink? Uh, no, it's, it's not orange. pink. It's it's equine. It's um, equine. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> um, but the last thing I wanted to ask you before we get into the, the nitty gritty, before we get into the topics of the show, yeah. um, in the Georgia indictment, it actually says that the Trump, you know, organization is a criminal organization, a criminal enterprise, it says. So I thought, who's been saying this for such a long time? You had a three letter word for this sort of thing. I can't remember what it is. I don't know. So how did you feel when you read that? I mean, I felt a little bit like Hillary. I'm smiling. <laughs> there's a level of satisfaction, um, but there's not shade and fraud. It's, you know, it's it's absurd. And I think a, a little bit of it uh, or a lot of it is there's a frustration that it takes all of this just to have the discourse 
the the people with the big platforms and the broader discourse say that out loud yeah. when it's been right there in everybody's face with plenty of evidence for years and years and years and years. So it doesn't feel like something that, um, you know, I have a little ownership in that, but it's not, it's not like that. I don't know how yeah. to describe it other than, um, Took it's too some, long. some took combination too long. of too you're happy that you're right, but also it's terribly sad for the country and everybody involved is probably. Yeah, I, I never, but there was no question of whether or not there was correctness in mm. what you're looking at, you know, when, you know, we, from everything, everything. Yeah. That's why I sourced it all to the nines for as many years as I did of like saying, this man is in organized crime. He is a front for organized crime. He is a rat for a lot of gangsters mm -hmm. <laughs> and through poured over all those people. Giuliani, it was in his job to actually protect people and move around and do in as a servant, not of, of justice, but of, uh, of these crime syndicates. Like this is now everyone's sort of seeing it and it's making more, maybe it's making more sense. Maybe it sounded too absurd, except that it was 35, 40, sometimes up to a hundred years, if you went back into their parents, of documented history to look to and say, well, this is what it is. It is what it is, everybody. Um, so yeah, thanks for asking. Sorry, that's a long answer, but no, it's you know what, you need to be given your flowers, man. Yeah, that's it. So <laughs> giving you your flowers. Thank you. Um all right, we don't want to keep our guests waiting too long, so I think we no. should now dive. Do you have your Do you have your phone? Is your phone ready? I have my phone ready. I have my beverage. What okay. are you drinking? I'm drinking my usual Manhattan. You're drinking your usual. I've mm -hmm. got my usual um, diet tonic and Rosie's lime juice. And okay. here's my just to keep things fresh for tonight because it is later here. It's late. It is not. It is the same time it's always been. But go on. It's late. All right, here we go. We're starting the clock. What do you want to start us off with? Oh, we're we're starting with the three card Monty. Three card Monty, which is you. It's all you. It's That's all, me. Uh, Let me put on my glasses. Yeah, put on your so, glasses and tell so us what, what does this mean, LB? Okay, now we could go into the news that is the news that everybody's covering and just keep and bloviate about all that the way everyone's been listening, or we can bring you some sort of fresh shit. So I'm here for the fresh stuff, but it's stuff that Greg and I uh, and, and another researcher have been deep in for, for many, many weeks now. So I want to introduce everybody to the Presidential Records Act, uh, and you'll hear me abbreviate that as the PRA. Now, I know you all think you know about it because it's part of the Mar-a-Lago. It's part of the classified documents, right? This is all the documents that were supposed to be turned over and Trump going, but they're mine. Those are my documents and all of this language. And um, what we dove into this and looked at, okay, well, what is this Presidential Records Act and how is it connected? What, is, what does he think about it? What does he have to say about it? Why does he have these weird, seemingly weird, obtuse or ignorant opinions? But again, just like with the mob stuff, I stood in the space of organized crime and I could look at Donald and look at everything he was doing and say, and be this kind of predictor because I was standing in the right frame for him. So I understood him in a different way, right? Okay, 
It's the same thing for the Presidential Records Act. If you guys, if everyone kind of reads up to that and grasps that and understands who we're really tracking with the Presidential Records Act, it's not, yes, there's classified documents. We know there's sort of, there's probably nuclear technology secrets that are out in the wild as well as all other kinds of secrets that are out in the, out in the wild or, you know, maybe some other stuff is in those presidential records. We can focus on that or we can look at who are all the operatives around this issue, right? And we might start with the documents, but you're going to see we're going to careen headfirst into the J6 indictment and that case. And to get the right frame, you guys need to embrace one phrase, just one phrase. It's the lawyers. Ooh. It's the lawyers. Okay? So we're going to walk through this. This is going to take a few shows. And today I just want to, everyone to chew on something that I'm going to give you right now. All right. So when a president comes into office, because of the Presidential Records Act, because of the PRA, he or she someday maybe is, has to name sort of guardians, people who in the event of the president's um, un, you know, death or disability, the president grants them the full rights and access to all of his records. Okay. What are the records? Well, it's correspondence, right? With world leaders, it's like whatever, but it's also all of the intelligence product that the president requests and looks at. It's what he sets his eyes on. It's the documents presented to him as president, papers, information, okay? Correspondence, all that. Classified docs, that's why that's under the PRA, right? Okay. So in the event of death or disability, the president needs to name people, right? So on day one, the president comes in there and that's one of the jobs. That's one of the sort of administrative paperwork. The president names some people and in Trump's first day in office, he named like three or four people that were part of the Office of Legal Counsel, so it made sense because they would be cleared under the same classification, blah, 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 blah. And probably they prepared it for him or Reince Priebus, you know, his chief of staff at the time, whoever made sure that this sort of paperwork was done for the PRA. Um, that Then we had some things happen. And I just want to remind some people, we're going to walk through a big timeline. I want to start with this moment. Then what did we have happen? Obama says to Trump, as he's coming in for his first day of office on his inauguration, he says, what? Remember they had that meeting? Mm -hmm. And they sat there in the chairs and the pictures and everyone was, couldn't believe it because here was the birther and the guy that he dragged for eight years and was so horrible to, and yet he handing the presidency over, you know, this is the change of guard. And what does Obama say to Trump? The one piece of advice he gives him, he says, be careful with Mike Flynn. Mm. Be careful with Mike Flynn. Okay. Now we're going to get into speculation. So I'm going to be real clear. What I'm about to say right now is speculation. But it it's how I worked things in understanding the organized crime. You know, so I'm standing in that, knowing that Trump got a lot of help from, the, from Russia, from the Kremlin. Uh, we know that. That came out in the special counsel report and to get into office. Knowing that Mike Flynn sat with Vladimir Putin, took money from Russia, is by all intents and purposes, you look at him, an agent of that state or was at that time, right? Wasn't he during the inauguration also working out the Saudi 
nuclear secrets to the Saudis. Yep. <laughs> He's doing that, which we which end up at the end of this story, right? But so you're Trump, and we also know about Trump when uh, Donald, and we know that there's quite a lot of evidence that he has been um, anything from a clueless tool to a full-on operative for the Kremlin since back in the Soviet era, right? We had all that great, incredible reporting coming out of Craig Unger and others who looked into his background and how he might have been compromised early on with actual KGB agents, former agents, former intelligence officers, head of the DC Bureau saying, yep, he was one of ours. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of that, all right? So this is, again, speculation land because I don't know how you prove a spy is a spy until you uh, indict him for being a spy for espionage, which he might be indicted for. So Obama's saying to him, be careful, Mike Flynn. Mike Flynn is your thing. You're, you're Donald, you're here. What do you think a Donald wanted to know? This is speculation coming into that office. He probably wanted to know, what the fuck did Obama know about Mike Flynn? Because he's just sort of vaguely warning. Careful of this guy. What? Why? What do you know? What do you know? So now you're Trump. You're coming into the office. He wants to know. Well, what's he going to be told by the Office of Legal Counsel, by the people who drafted his little letter, and they're the people responsible for the presidential records? What's he going to be told by those lawyers? Well, those are Obama's records. You know? It's in his records. You can look, but those are his records. And you're Trump. You're new to this whole presidency thing. You're new to everything. You're new to any kind of thing. It's not that Trump isn't curious. People say he's incurious. He's curious about when he gets told no or there's something that he doesn't get right away. He's very curious. He wants to know how he can tear all that apart so he can get his hands on whatever the fuck he wants, right? So you're Trump and you're like, no, I, what do you mean Obama's records? And then it gets explained to him what the Presidential Records Act is, what it does, what it means to the presidency. It's not that he couldn't get himself on it. It's that there's a process because that pa those papers, right? And we'll get someone on to explain all this for us, guys, for the PRA. All right? So I just want, just put a pin in that because I feel like that's a very plausible, if not 99%, that scenario happened. And then we think about all of the language that flowed out from there, right? Obama spying on my campaign, <laughs> like all this stuff as he's getting information, as he's getting all of this, right? Remember all that? There's a deep state and Obama buried all this information deep in the blah, blah, blah. All right. Well, that would have been under the PRA. He would have used, Obama would have used the tool of the Presidential Records Act in order to do that if that reporting was accurate. And Trump's reacting to it all as if it is. Everybody with me? Everyone with me? We're with you. All right. So now the other thing that the Presidential Records Act says is that the day before, no, no, no day later than the day before he ends office, which would have been now January 20th, 2020, would have been his last day of office. So 21, by, 2021. 2021. Yeah. I'm sorry. So by January 19th, 2021, he needed to affirm with the National Archives with the presidential for, under the Presidential Records Act, who are his people? If he's changing it, who are the guardians of all of the secrets? This might be correspondence that happened on Twitter in DMs. Between, like, okay. This wow. might have been correspondence of like writing up things like fake elector plans, right? Papers. So he's going to have to, who knows? 
So he has to say, according to this act, he's got to give them the update. Is there an update on who's responsible for your records in the event, even as a post president? These are still his his records from his presidency. That's why he says they're mine, because he learned about that when he tried to go get fucking Obamas. Those were Obamas. He could get it. Just takes a process. But now there he thinks, oh, no, they're mine. I was told those were Obamas. And so these, these are mine. Do you understand? Okay. So it's the lawyers. It's the lawyers. It's the lawyers. He amended. And he made a couple of amendments. We're just going to focus on the people. Then we're going to move on to the next topic. He amended his letter to the archives for the records for underneath the Presidential Records Act. These are the individuals that Donald named responsible for his records. Mark Meadows. Oh, you mean indicted, Michael? Mark Meadows? Okay. Pat Cipollone. Pat Cipollone. Cipollone. He has a different, he has a weird first name. I didn't realize. Pasquale. Pasquale. There are seven people. I'm not going to get into all of them. I'm just going to give you some key names. A guy named Philbin. We'll get into him later. A guy named Angle. Okay. Give you a little tid tidbits on Angle right now. Angle's the one who provided legal support in Donald's administration's battles with Congress and the Treasury Department to trying to get the, he, he gave his support to the Treasury Department too, to the refusal to turn over Donald's tax returns. Oh. That's where Angle comes from. He was the defender of Donald doesn't have to show his taxes, even though there were statues, right? Um, Trump dangled a SCOTUS appointment to him. He like said, I'll make you, I make you, this is all in reporting. Um, he also, uh, Angle also defended the quid pro quo for a Ukraine call. He's also one of Pat Cipollone's lawyers. <laughs> um, so that's who that guy is. All right. And then we come to the mother load, a guy by the name of Purpura, another lawyer. So I want you guys all to remember, remember when J6 committee had Pat Cipollone under oath and they were trying to get him to testify. Liz Cheney was trying to get him to give up mm -hmm. the goods because I knew everything that happened with Donald and what happened in front of Pat in front of, or not, whatever, Cipollone. And they wanted him to confirm it. Right. And he wouldn't. He kept looking to his lawyer on the left, on his left, on that tape. And the guy was like, no. And he would claim some kind of privilege. Nope, I don't have to say that. Nope, that would violate something. Nope, nope. And it looked like he's being a stand-up guy, but he's just sort of prevented. If he wasn't prevented, he would say this. No. The guy that was to his left was this guy, Purpura. Okay? Um, I don't want to say too much about him right now. Yeah. Other than he is out of the Federalist Society, and he is the foremost expert on not only... Um, or considered within that circle of gaggle of fools, those lawyers, not only executive privilege and having the office of the presidency, having all these powers, executive powers, but he's the foremost expert on the PRA, the Presidential Records Act, as it relates to a president's authority and rights to sort of not letting anybody see his Anything shit. Yet. Yeah. So that's who everybody's consulting with, even Cipollone, who's indicted now, right? 
That's who they're all consulting with. Is Cipollone's not indicted. Cipollone oh, no, what is he? He was named in something. What was he no, named in? I don't know. He's, he's not, not indicted. indicted. He was named no. in something. That's who they're all consulting. They're consulting this guy, Purpura. Why? Because he knows how to manipulate the Presidential Records Act in order to protect something like, oh, I don't know, just speculating, a Kremlin spy getting into the office of the presidency and having their hands on all of our intelligence product and how to safeguard that guy and protect that guy under the PRA. Okay, that's it. I went long. Good. So I wanted to introduce that to everybody. Did that all make sense? I think it made sense to me. You know, I, I, I feel like a salient point here is remember during the, the first impeachment and the Ukraine uh, business, remember they, they put certain documents in the super secret server. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The super away. Secret server. Yeah. Yeah. That seems relevant to this topic as well, but it we're going to revisit this on future shows. We wanted to throw this out there coming in off the break. Um, so yeah. Yes. All right. And go read it. Go read yeah. the PRA. It's it's listed in that uh, Jack Smith uh, and Mar-a-Lago thing, and there's all kinds of clauses listed. Go read those clauses, everybody, it, underneath the Presidential Records Act. It will blow your mind. That's what we now have to get educated on. And just keep remembering the phrase, it's the lawyer. So that's the three-card Monty. Is It's all the same guys, and they're just switching chairs, and it's all like a, it's all a bullshit game. They're all yeah. playing a bullshit game. Yeah. The name of the game is keep out of jail. That's the game. That's yeah. the name of the game. Protect, your, protect the asset. Yeah. That's the name of the yeah. game. Yeah. All right. Okay. I went two two segments too long. I'm going to go eight minutes. Long. We're going to keep this. This is long too, but I'm going to keep it to eight minutes. Okay. Come hell you. or high water. Thank okay. you. I want to talk about, um, the my, my this is called the Great Schism, the second topic. It begins with... Um, a forthcoming article in the University of Pennsylvania Law Review called The Sweep and Force of Section 3. And I want to read from the abstract of this. Uh, again, I'm reading Section 3 of the 14th Amendment forbids holding office by former office holders who then participate in insurrection or rebellion. Uh, it continues. First, Section 3 remains an enforceable part of the Constitution, not limited to the Civil War and not effectively repealed by 19th century amnesty legislation. Second, Section 3 is self-executing, operating as an immediate disqualification from office without the need for additional action by Congress. It can and should be enforced by every official, state or federal, who judges qualifications. Third, to the extent of any conflict with prior constitutional rules, Section 3 repeals, supersedes, or simply satisfies them. Fourth, Section 3 covers a broad range of conduct against the authority of the constitutional order, including many instances of indirect participation or support as, quote, aid or comfort. It covers a broad range of former offices, including the presidency. And in particular, it disqualifies former President Donald Trump and potentially many others because of their participation in the attempted overthrow of the 2020 presidential election. Now, who wrote this? What tree-hugging liberal wrote this? Oh, not. You'd be wrong because the authors are law professors William Baud of the University of Chicago and Michael Stokes Paulson of the University of St. Thomas. They are conservatives in good standing with, ta-da, the Federalist Society, so uh, now I'm going to read excerpts from a piece by Adam Liptak in the New York Times of this week. Uh, this is Baud saying, when we started out, neither of us was sure what the answer was. People were talking about this provision of the Constitution. We thought, 
we're constitutional scholars. This is important. We got to figure it out. And they dug into it. And he summarized the article's conclusion. Donald Trump cannot be president, cannot run for president, cannot become president, cannot hold office unless two thirds of Congress decides to grant him amnesty for his conduct on January 6th. Um, again, the professors are active members of the Federalist Society, the conservative legal group and proponents of originalism the method of interpretation that seeks to determine the Constitution's original meaning. Stephen Calabresi, a law professor at Northwestern and Yale and a founder of the Federalist Society, called the article, quote, a tour de force. The provisions language is automatic, the article said, establishing a qualification for holding office no different in principle from the Constitution's requirement that only people who are at least 35 years old are eligible to be president Calabresi said those administrators must act, quote, Trump is ineligible to be on the ballot in each of the 50 state secretaries of state has an obligation to print ballots without his name on them. Wow. OK, now I bring this up for several reasons. One, it's fucking awesome. Two, Calabresi co-founded the Federalist Society with Leonard Leo. And this is really important. I think I'm just I'm reading between the lines here a little bit. Uh, he, there's an interesting part in the New York Times article where Calabresi says, I've been, uh, or the, excuse me, the, uh, uh, I've been asked not to talk to any journalist who identifies me as a co-founder of the Federalist Society, even though it is a historical fact, he said. And then the journalist says, I quoted, I noted the request and ignored it. Um, so this is interesting because, again, Leonard Leo and Calabrese founded the Federalist Society together. But there seems to be, and again, this is, me speculating and reading kind of the tea leaves a little bit. There is a schism, a great schism to use a uh, Catholicism word uh, between th these two founders. It seems to me because uh, Leonard Leo had to take a step back from the Federalist Society when he started like working closely with Trump and taking all that money. And mm. this appears to be, and again, the authors of this piece have no bearing on this, but the fact that Calabresi is in that article and quoted like that suggests to me that he's trying to, you know, put some distance between the Federalist Society and him and Leonard Leo and the weirdos. And okay. this is a good thing for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think, first of all, if the fucking Federalist Society originalist, you know, brain trust is arguing that Trump shouldn't be president, he ain't going to be president because he can't. He just can't any more than somebody who's 25 can. So fuck off, Donald. A. That's A. They can just just be you don't have to do anything. He's just not allowed to. OK, that's the first thing. And then is is this an attempt to bring the Federalist Society back into into people's good graces? Because I think that Calabresi probably I, I would be if I were him, would be worried that, that this weirdo Leonard Leo has alienated so many people and that the yeah. Federalist Society is portrayed now around in the country as being nefarious and corrupt and in bed and in league with big money, dirty money, and fascists. And maybe they don't want that. Maybe they just want to be conservative. We need to have conservative. There's nothing wrong with being conservative right. if you're not a fascist, right? So maybe this is a, this is a, a, a sign that, uh, you know, like the rocket jettisons pieces it no longer finds necessary, that these guys are trying to jettison uh, Leonard Leo. In the meantime, and just to, to bring this home in, in a way that isn't... Uh, you know, kind of pie in the sky and theoretical, you know, this week there was the, the, um, the 13 year old rape victim in Mississippi had to give birth. And this is just awful on every level. And this is the legacy 
of Leonard Leo. That is the legacy of the right now, the Federalist Society. It's the legacy of Sam Alito. It's the legacy of Clarence Thomas. And it's the legacy of all of these people that helped overturn Roe. That's the legacy. A 13-year-old girl who didn't even know how babies were made, according to the article, was raped and is forced to have the baby. So congratulations, Leonard Leo. Congratulations, Sam Alito. Congratulations, Clarence Thomas. This is on you, you motherfuckers. I'm done. Love it. Congratulations, Calabresi. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. But he's trying to pull back now. He's trying to pull back. Yeah, too late pivot for me. <laughs> now, one, one question I had is you said in there, he said, I've been asked not to speak to any journalists who bring up the Fed. What is he talking about? I've been asked. I don't know if he's asked by somebody in the federal side. I, it's very strange. And that's what I mean. I'm I reading between the leaves. I don't know ear. what that means. I've been I don't asked. know what it means. You're the founder. You know, you've been asked by what? You're the the devil on your shoulder? The angel? What, who's asking you? <laughs> I, I don't These know. These people are like, it's all people are saying. People yeah, are I don't, saying. I don't know. But he's he's very much in favor of this of this thing, which I read part of. And it's very good. Um, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not to be confused with a legal scholar. I am not one. I didn't pretend yeah. to be, but you know, if it fucking says in the amendments, thou shall not blah, 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 then you're not allowed to do it. That's just how it is. So either we have law or we don't. And that's just how it goes. So sorry, Donald. And sorry to all the dipshits giving him money still. You know? Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for that, Greg. I like this. I'm, I'm in for the schism. I'm here yeah. for the schism. It's the schism. It's the schism. We're going to have an anti-pope. <laughs> Leonard Leo is the anti-pope. That's it. All um, right. You know Look, what it's time for? It's how did I, I do? Wait, like I still have five time seconds. My... Five seconds. You finished it in five seconds. You did three it. weeks away, and I nailed it. Okay. Uh, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. All right. Wait. We better we better sing. Time to sing. Um, wait, I have to turn off the banner before I forget. Yeah, turn that turn off the banner. Okay. Um, yeah, it's karaoke time. Here we go. <laughs> impeached the first time saying this is it he's overreached cause like Pelosi should have done it in 19 when the Mueller report dropped right but the senators they let him off acquitted just in time to screw up the response to COVID remember how he said it go away by Easter then Biden then J6 and one more impeachment ooh, 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 ooh. indicted now in Georgia too and ooh this time, I'm telling you, I promise you, we will never, ever, ever re-elect the traitor. We will never, ever, ever re-elect the traitor. He'll get help from Russia and from Robert Kennedy, but we will never, ever, ever re-elect the traitor. We shall prevail. I'd write on Twitter, and how can we fail to reject the bullshitter? They're the extremists, not us. We created the most secure border in U.S. history. We've got Mexico to give us. The GOP will nominate him because he's like, I was indicted for you. And I'm like, I just, this is exhausting, you know? Like, you're never getting back to the White House, Donald. Like, Ever. No, we will never, ever, ever re-elect the traitor. We will never, ever.
never ever re-elect the traitor he'll get help from Russia and from Robert Kennedy but we will never ever ever re-elect the traitor oh <laughs> <laughs> I felt like we needed something a little more current, even though that song's like what 15 years old or something. But yeah, it's fantastic. So, yeah, I'm, it's I'm like, you, that just dropped into my email, everybody. It's like, here you go, boom. And I was like, okay. I was listening Somebody to a mix that I made of off. songs of the 2010s during my my break. I'm like, I have to do a pop song. So yeah, there it is. Taylor it. Swift broke broke two billion dollars or whatever in revenue on this tour she's on. It's like, oh my goodness! It's boosting the Biden economy. Bidenomics also involves Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. She's gonna have to keep this up into next year, I think. It's just gonna have to keep doing it. Okay, we've All made right. our guest wait long enough. Oh, I have to put the banner back on. Put it back on. Banner back on. Uh, our guest is a historian of American political rhetoric. She's a professor of rhetoric at Texas A&M. She writes at Resolute Square. She's the author of Founding Fictions and Demagogue for President. The rhetorical genius of Donald Trump, Jen Merchia. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I saw you dancing to the Taylor Swift, so it's good. You're allowed to stay. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know that was Taylor Swift. So I just oh, okay. thought it was groovy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were a Swifty or what. You know, maybe a little bit, but not enough to not a real one. That not goes. In, that's know. in the bag. It's in the bag a little bit. So. Uh, um, the first thing I want to ask is now, you know, we haven't even talked about this at all because we've been the last two Fridays we've been gone and there have been two indictments, uh, you know, since we last had a show. So uh, what did you think about the Georgia indictment? Um, what, were, what What's your response to it? Did it feel different to you? Because it felt different to me. So I think that the Georgia indictment is different in that. um it's going to be televised. I like. I feel like that's the main difference. And I'm a communication professor, so I'm going to say that kind of thing. But um, <laughs> it's my bias. But uh, I think the fact that we can see it means that that case, more than the other cases, is the one that's going to drive engagement um, because that's the thing that's missing. You know that we don't have pictures. Right. You know? So. Oh. I really think that that case will be the one that everyone focuses on. Um, and then I kind of love that there's all these, you know, co-conspirators that are indicted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, get the whole team together and <laughs> it's a great hold them all accountable together. We have our new TV show ready to go and there's plenty of players. <laughs> yeah. There's the, there's I feel like there's a lot characters. of stories we could spin out of this, a lot of plot yeah. lines. The writers are doing a good job already with that. I mean, did you see the guys, Bob McBurney or something like that was the judge? Oh, he was really funny, that guy. I like yeah. that guy. I like his yeah. name. I like everything about it. So far, yeah. two thumbs up. He was making jokes and cracking wise. And yeah, it was I mean, it was his good. name alone <laughs> is a Burnham. He's McBurney. It doesn't it doesn't sound like a real like a real person. So um, now we've got it. We have to pull this into your domain of rhetoric. So how is he using his indictments in, in his rhetorical strategy? Because, you know, he he didn't have this at the beginning. And now suddenly he's got as Chunk illustrated in the in the opening uh, credits here. Uh, he's got four now, um, which seems like a lot. 
you know, four different jurisdictions. So how, how have you seen him use that in his rhetoric? Yeah. Um, so it really plays into his, um, hero narrative and his martyr narrative. Um, and so, you know, his whole 2024 campaign has been, you know, they're not after me, they're after you. I'm, you know, the only thing standing in the way. I'm the only thing that's going to protect you from them, they, um, you know, there's always been a target on my back, et cetera. So he's been saying that since 2015. He's always said that. Um, and so now he can point to these indictments and say, look, see how I suffer for you? They're going to put me in jail for a thousand years, but that's okay because I'm going to keep fighting <laughs> for you. It's very fascist. It's very, very fascist. Um, and it really plays into the, you know, Christo fascist, white nationalist, whatever um, frame that a lot of his supporters have, right? They want to deify him and um, he's providing them with lots of uh, good deification material. I think I read that there's 400,000 small donor, small dollar donors. And that, yeah, yeah, a quarter of them started donating after the first indictment. Yeah. So, like new, new donors. So, um, you know, he's making some money <laughs> off of it. And uh, I mean, there will be, I want to ask you this. It's, there's a point where the rhetoric, um, there's a choice he's going to have to make. Uh, am I choosing to just keep with the rhetoric and knowing that it's sending me into jail? Um, or am I uh, going to actually self-preserve? So it kind of turns, it'll turn on him, this rhetoric. It, it's, it's already starting to with the threats and everything that he's been leveling at law, the law enforcement and the judges and the stakes that he's raising with his rhetoric. He's raising the stakes into, into violence. So what, what do you have to share with us? What are your insights in that? Um, you know, what is this sort of Rubicon here that we're, we're watching being crossed? Yeah, it's a lot, right? So he's always used threats. He uses threats, ad baculum is the rhetorical term. He uses threats and intimidation. He uses communication as a weapon just in general, but he uses threats and intimidation, war rhetoric. Um, he uses those things routinely to control the public sphere, to control people's actions. Um, he's, he's very comfortable using violent words, violent rhetoric. Um, pornographic with it as yeah and it's served him well like yeah. heretofore right like even his legal strategies and you're way more of an expert on that than I am but even his legal strategies are very aggressive right he's always trying to delay he's always trying to withhold um right he's always defiant um so there's that and then but then there's the hero narrative right and the martyrdom and I mean, Hitler went to jail, right? And like that's right. part of the thing, right? That's part of the story. I suffer for you. Um, wrote Mein Kampf while he was there. And, you know, there's there's similarities there. I don't, I think Trump is more afraid of going to jail than anything. Um, yeah. But yeah. I don't see him changing. Like he's not going to be like, yeah, yeah, you got me. <laughs> and, you know, he's well, not going to be contrite. You know, for me, it's like he's just going to flee because. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's very possible. He needs to be out of the reach of it while still, if, if, if I don't know that he's going to give it up. He's not going to give this rhetoric up. 
Yeah. I can't so imagine. If, if you um, if you read my book, you would know that a demagogue, um, according to Aristotle, is an unaccountable leader. And um, I knew that before Donald Trump started writing for president. Um, but I had never seen someone who is so good at preventing themselves from being held accountable than mm. Donald Trump is. Um, and I mean, at this point, we're four <laughs> indictments deep, and it looks like he's going to be held accountable. Like, you know, lots of lawyers, people I respect, um, you know, including y'all, uh, you know, they're like, he's going to go to jail. Like, he, like, this is real. This is really real this time. Hmm. Um, and so I think he's going to crack. Like, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know, um, you know, what a psychotic break is for Donald Trump, but I feel like he's going to have one. It's interesting you say that because I remember my, my wife is, has a master's in psychology. And I remember her saying that when during, in, in 2016, during the debates, like she's, he's going to have a psychotic break. He's going to break. He's, he's, you know, and uh, yeah. maybe, maybe like every prediction, it will happen, but way later than yeah. <laughs> what we thought or what we hoped. Uh, yeah. You know, like, oh, he's going to get impeached. Well, eventually, you know, eventually he'll, uh, you know, kind of thing. He, I mean, you know, he tweeted through it, right? Like he tweeted through those impeachments. He, <laughs> he, he's always defiant. That's his thing. He's unaccountable and he's defiant. He will never allow himself to be held accountable. I don't know what the end is for that for him. Um, you know, I know what it has been for other fascist leaders in the history of the world. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, does it end ends. well for any of them? It's no, not. no, 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 yeah. very badly. All of them. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not I a think good story. Batista is the best he can hope for, you know, He's in exile and then, you know, drop dead two days before the, the trial starts. It's kind of the, the Batista thing. Uh, yeah. So um, LB and I, by the way, we have a bet about whether or not Trump will flee because uh, oh. she says yes. And I say, nah, I, he he likes his omelet station too much. They don't have good ketchup in UAE. He's not going anywhere. Uh, he's just <laughs> Do you a, think he's going to go to his uh, his golf course or something or no, he has to go somewhere. They can't extradite him. Right. Yeah. Which good yeah. luck with that, because where is where is that going to be? Where is that? It's either mm. Russia or North Korea or maybe China, maybe China. I don't think maybe. he would go to Brazil. I don't. Uh, no, no, no other country is going to be able to keep him because we're going to be like, give him the fuck back now or you're in. You're, like, read you about Afghanistan. That, okay. So I'm going to yeah. push back on that a little bit because yeah. we keep talking about ourselves as the United States in this sort of like, no, we're never going to burn what he's going to hit this. Or, and it's just, and I, I've yet to, you know, he he's tested and pressed on our institutions and damaged them so terribly that all I see are with, with the exception of a couple of individuals, prosecutors, a lot of cowering, a lot of mm. just wanting it to go away and let, let's just move on to something else. And so I, I don't know. I don't know that we'd be like, you better hand them back. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. There's also yeah, somebody left song. a comment on my piece today <laughs> about just practically how he would get away and that his plane only can go X number of miles, which he has <laughs> to go to Europe to refuel. He can't yeah. fly direct to Dubai or whatever. And any place that he would go, they would arrest him. And whoever went with him, their life would effectively be over. He's just going to helicopter yacht hop. Maybe. <laughs> yacht hop, unless Maybe. all the yachts are gone. I mean, he'll get away. What, are we going to shoot the guy's plane down? No one's going to do that. 
Like he's he's got money, he's dude. People he's, flee. Can, he's got money. He can got ways. Yeah, ways we money? can't even think of. Does he have this money? Is, I don't know, maybe, but he knows people know. have he money. He does now. He Just, did before. <laughs> he does now. Jared has money. Yeah. Jared <laughs> he's has not paying money. his lawyers. We know that. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh Jen, we forgot to ask you what you're drinking. I am drinking an Aperol spritz. Look Very at that! Nice. Look Cheers. at our, our colorful. Yeah. Let, let's have let's have a toast to the four for I keep saying impeachments. The four indictments. The four yeah. indictments. Boom! Right yeah. there. Cheers. Yeah. Yay. Oh my God! If there's a fifth indictment, we also have a rule on the show that when we say fifth, you have to drink like because Eastman. Because oh. Eastman fifth and, pleaded, yeah. pleaded fifth. Pleaded fifth. If there's a fifth indictment, we're really gonna have a problem with this. It's gonna be <laughs> difficult for us to fifth. be sober. Bring yeah. me on. We'll we'll make it work. Yeah, we'll make it work. So, okay, so you wrote um, you wrote a great piece in Resolute Square about Trump and violence and violence yeah. in the rhetoric and how that's serving him. Yeah. So obviously, you know, he's a fascist. I think, you know, most reasonable people now can agree on this, maybe, hopefully. Um, violence is such a key ingredient to any sort of fascist system. Um, how does Trump use violent rhetoric and what purposes does it serve for him? Yeah, so um, I've been I've been reading a lot and writing a lot about fascism um, lately. And um, like, if you know one thing about fascism, you should know that it is premised like its essential quality is violence. Yeah. Violence is good for fascism. <laughs> the more violence there is, the like more fascist people are. Mm -hmm. um, and so, fascists like hate peace. And they're all about um, creating the conditions for violence. And so um, one way to think about fascism is that it's turning from politics to violence. Um, oh. And yeah, like if you know one thing, know that. And uh, I mean, for, for years now, I've been saying, because, you know, I study political discourse. And so, um, you know, for years I've been saying, like, you know, the whole, like, major premise of politics today is that um, politics is war and the enemy cheats, right? Mm. And what I've realized recently is just how fascist that is. <laughs> so I didn't know that, uh, you know, in 2015, 2016, I knew that that was the major premise, but I didn't really understand how fascist that is. And, and that is essentially fascist, um, right? Because it contains within it an entire narrative, the entire fascist na narrative, which is, um, you know, that it's war, uh, it's not politics, that your opposition isn't just, you know, a good person who thinks differently and has different policy preferences. And, you know, perhaps we can debate values, right, but is in fact an enemy, right? You don't uh, negotiate with an enemy. You don't uh, like an enemy. You don't want to live next door to an enemy. Um, you know, you certainly don't compromise with an enemy. Enemies are irrational. Enemies are, you know, aggressive. They're violent. They're you know, certainly an outgroup. Um, and they cheat, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. So you can't even trust these dirty, violent, uh, malicious, unreasonable enemies that we're dealing with in this, you know, policy. So what else can you do, right? You have to destroy them. And so the whole major premise of American politics is that politics is war and the enemy cheats, which is essentially fascist. <laughs> Um, and so Donald Trump comes into power in 2015, 2016. His whole argument is, yeah, like I can use this to my advantage, <laughs> yeah. right? He looks around and he sees 
um, you know, crisis levels of distrust and polarization and frustration. And he's like, how can I use that to win the presidency? And so someone like Joe Biden in 2020 sees that same situation as like, how can I ameliorate this? How can I bring the community together? How can I talk about like American values in a way that tries to reduce this um, very dramatic and drastic situation? Uh, Donald Trump does the opposite, right? He's like, <laughs> I want to make it work for me. Um, and so there will be blood. That's what he. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and that would be good. Bloodlust right? like, is yes. out of control. And what is he? He started talking about blood on, you know, in the debates. Yeah. Megyn Kelly. Everything was this violent association with blood and yes. bleeding, and and yes. you know, it just was. It was again pornographic. It was yes. uh, tape on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. And you get, you know, when you hear those kinds of violent discourses, whether it's, you know, threats and intimidation and reification, which is treating people like objects, hate objects, um, specifically, hmm. you know, if it's that, you know, you get, you get desensitized, but it also like frames your understanding of the world and, and leads to action. And so that's where you get stochastic terrorism. That's where you get people joining militia groups in record numbers, buying weapons in record numbers, um, committing acts of violence, um, right? And so it moves the Overton window, right? Yeah. Um, Y'all know about the Overton window. Oh, yes, we yeah. do. Yeah. Our audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, it's so, also, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, so like, just to finish up, like, you know, 10 years ago before Trump, if you heard like, we're in a civil war, you'd have been like, what? No, like that's crazy talk. But today you'd be like, well, yeah, maybe you could say that, you know, you might even say it yourself. Um, you know, I, people who are well-respected and knowledgeable political thinkers say we're in a soft civil war, or a cold civil war or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that is the proliferation of the fascist rhetoric. It's almost as if he's so good at this. He had a little bit of coaching and training and maybe even a, <laughs> a communication back channel helping him, yeah. you know, massage yeah. his rhetoric, refine his rhetoric, wield yeah. it as the weapon that it had, that it became. I would love yeah. to know. I mean, I know people fed him things, uh, you know, talking points, ideas. I know that the white nationalists helped him a lot. Yeah, in 2016. I know that, um, you know, Russia and the WikiLeaks helped him a lot. Like I know some of that stuff, but a lot of it I think is innate to him. And he yeah, may have, I, I mean, part of it's marketing, right? <laughs> um, you know, like the stuff that he does that brings him closer to his followers is a lot of marketing bullshit. Um, it is. Which he knows about. And um, also was raised by mob bosses. Yeah, I think who profit off human misery and use yeah. violence yeah. Um, as a means of power, of, of climbing up the, their own sort of rungs of power in their underworld. Yeah. So it, it's, it's also the language of organized crime. It yeah, is. that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think about that some more too. Okay. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, just in case well, people don't know what Overton would do is here. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank Jane. you, Evo. So yeah. one thing that came to mind that uh, maybe helps tie this back around to our first two segments and, you know, possibly the end times in our last segment um, 
is and you you landed on that term Christo fascism as well. Uh, I'm I'm wondering when it comes to fascist movements and fascist leaders, how important an existing belief set is to appropriate and twist and pervert because you have all the believers right that can become part. So, uh, and I'm I was thinking because I was, there's a, I can't remember the publication. I'm sorry, everybody. I didn't even think I was going to talk about this, but I've caught very little sort of cable news. And there was a man that was on the morning news program a couple of days in a row, who is the editor in chief, I think of a Christian publication who's, is very alarmed. And Christianity Today. Yeah. Christianity Today. And he was uh, speaking about and writing about how, um, you know, the actual words of Jesus, there are followers now coming up to their pastors as the pastors read the gospel and read Jesus's actual words saying, where did you get those liberal talking points? That's not what we do here anymore. And they're like, well, I got it. So these are, this is what Jesus said, turn the other cheek. And the response was, and he, this was his quote, not, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. Like, you know, because you're questioning the word of Jesus as a Christian to your pastor, it was their response from the congregants is, um, well, that doesn't work for us anymore. Mm. You know, we want the violence. We want the, we want retribution. We want Donald Trump. We want what he, where he's leading us. Um, so I just, you know, I know it, 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 Hitler was infamous for what he, how he perverted Christianity, but it just struck me that, you know, it's it's almost like these fascist leaders come in and they appropriate. They yeah, appropriate absolutely. an existing population and take what's sacred to them and just pervert it. And there seems to be yeah. a toolkit for doing that, and it works. Yeah. So, so if there's two things that you learn about um, fascism tonight, the first one is that <laughs> it's essentially violence, right? Violence right. is is prioritized. It's the best thing for fascism. The second thing is it is absolutely anti-democratic in the sense of being hierarchical, right? Fascism loves uh, what used to be called the great chain of being, right? Which is where like some peoples are better than others. Um, You know, and so that could be Arianism or whatever for Hitler could be uh, being Italian, whatever, for Mussolini. Mussolini, yeah. <laughs> for Trump, it's being a Trump follow, like a fan, right? <laughs> you're the real American. You're like, you're, you're the, 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 the height of American exceptionalism like him. Um, and all of that works based on the logic of authoritarianism. Uh, and if you've read any of the political science, social psychology, even cognitive science, um, really different fields, uh, research authoritarianism and authoritarian personalities, it's fascinating stuff. We raise people to be authoritarians, hmm. right? So like if you were a slaveholder in the South, you were a despot, right? You were an authoritarian and you raised your children in a very specific way to cultivate that despotism in them. Um, the Hitler youth, right? Same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you wonder why we're attacking schools right now. It's because we want to raise authoritarians instead of raising egalitarians, which is what we had been trying to do for, you know, at least since people started to care about those kinds of things. Um, 
but that was bad. So now we're not going to do that anymore. We're going to attack that. Um, and so all of the things that Trump does to like replace himself as Jesus and like the Christian worldview or whatever of these folks, like it's all about taking advantage of their authoritarian impulses, um, their will to follow a strong leader and pretending that he is a strong leader, right? This is what all fascists do is that they use propaganda strategies to pretend like they are these ubermensches. They are these, you know, strong leaders who are violent and aggressive and can take care of business and make the trains run on time. The trains never ran on time, okay, in Italy. They no. never did. Mussolini no, never was a lie. It was all a fucking lie. Yeah, I just swore on. Oh, you got to swear! Yay! Yay. Yay. <laughs> like first time. I waited for half an hour in Bologna. <laughs> I hope my daughter it's really see that. Um, you yeah. know, the trains never ran on time. That yeah. is a lie. Like fascists use propaganda to make us afraid of them, right? And yeah. this is why Trump uses all these strategies combined He's with wish fulfillment. Good at it. He's great <laughs> at it. Um, yeah. Well, if anything. Um, you know, I do think there'll be a, a, a reckoning with the continued pursuit of justice and the indictments. It just seems like, I, like <laughs> because at the end of the day, the other thing that Trump identified himself as and is that the, in the DNA of garnering this following and his cult is I'm a winner. We're the winners. Right. And right. once you start losing, every indictment is only ever lost. Point. Is it? But that's those are losses where it's like, okay, there's going to be a point where yeah. more and more people just turn away. It's like, okay, we can't. They're going to want what he aw awakened in him, in yeah. them, more than they want him. Yeah. So they're going to go seek someone else. Yeah, we almost saw yeah. that after the midterms when he lost so badly. And yeah. that was really when DeSantis kind of rose yeah. in the GOP, you know, primary game. But then he got it, you know. He's just too weird. Yeah. yeah. The weird trains though. don't run on time in Florida. They, they, just, they just don't, you know. He can't even convincingly <laughs> make the argument. And he, he, he shut down the trains to Disney, for God's sake. All it's never going to work. Stuff you know, yeah. It's bad. Um yeah, no, the, this authoritarian stuff also goes in hand in hand with Leonard Leo and Opus Dei and oh, the yeah. whole church and all this stuff, you know, oh, which yeah. is very much predicated on this, you know, authoritarian system where, God forbid, if you question the authority, then you're either, you know, a heretic or something. And, you know, yeah. for centuries, if you did that, they kind of burned you, which was not fun. Or, you know, there is an authoritarianism quiz. And I will post it on my Twitter. Oh, Ooh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, all y'all can take it. I last time I took it, which was like a couple weeks ago, I was 13% authoritarian. Like I'm just not an authoritarian. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna so. be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be 75 or 80. But the, the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, okay, so really. let's remind everyone what your Twitter is, Jen, so that we've got that. And then oh, yeah. Jen Jen Murchia. Jen Murchia. All right, I think okay. um we probably have someone that'll post it here. And as soon as I see it, I'll, I'll throw it up on the screen. Okay. And your book, can you remind us your book? Your, uh, well, your uh, last article, I know, Greg, is, is so wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. this one uh, is, Demagogue, is Demagogue for President, the Rhetorical Genius of Donald Trump. 
and this one. Oh, and that one is called Founding, founding Fictions. Fictions. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's about the founding and um, about what we imagine citizens could do in a government based on the will of the people, right? So like if the citizens control the government, what does that mean? Turns out, yeah, spoiler alert, it wasn't what you would want it to be. Um, and <laughs> it's a revolutionary book. Uh, when you read it, you'll be very pissed. Um, and I'm working on one right now. I got- um, Oh, good. Yeah, I'm cooking up a proposal. It's about the yeah. stuff we've been talking about. So yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm excited okay. for it. I'm excited for it. All right, we have to move to the topic number four. You're sticking around though, yeah? You don't have to yeah, leave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Me and my beverage. Okay, good. Yeah, um, mine too. <laughs> all right. Uh, LB, what the hell does back channel X mean? Mm. Okay. So I want to take everyone on another thought experiment. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It won't go eight minutes, but let me put the timer on just to make sure. Yeah. Um, we keep me, we hold me to it. Okay. So there's all this stuff with coming out with, um, Jack Smith, it turned the news that broke this past week that he got his hands on Donald's Twitter account. And what did we see as soon as that news broke? We saw Donald Trump take to social media, his whatever platform, and say, Joe Biden's a Manchurian candidate. <laughs> All of a sudden, he's talking about Joe Biden's Manchurian candidate, Manchurian candidate. And so I'm just going to connect those two things, even though there's not reporting connecting those two things. It's like, okay, if he freaked out because it turns out he was using his DMs to communicate with people. Well... I just want to take everybody back in a thought experiment of remember Jared Kushner coming in during the transition and trying to figure out how to set up a back channel with Putin. I don't think he was doing that for himself, even though he had, he was proposing it in the meeting with the banker from what bank was that? Now, uh, VB, VB, Yeah. Yeah. So always about the money, right? Oh, the whole thing was about money. But uh, that there's, they couldn't really conceive a presidency, a Donald presidency, without a communication channel with the Kremlin. Like that was, how do we do this? We don't know. How can we have a communication channel? <laughs> like we need our, we need our propaganda. We need our instructions. We need whatever it is they thought they needed. We we need we need to have this communication with. Putin that goes and circumvents the United the U.S. intelligence uh, community, so they don't know what we're talking about. That was clue number one, everybody. <laughs> clue number one. So, as far as we know, no back channel got set up, and but lo and behold, Donald never gave up his Twitter account. Mm. Real Donald Trump. He didn't really use the POTUS account. Why? Because the POTUS account was watched by the part, managed by partly by the intelligence community. So, um, in that standing in that again in that frame of maybe, maybe this guy was working for our foreign adversaries and needed to have communications with foreign intelligence agencies for some reason. Um, I don't know what other reason there would be. Um, could he have done something else with Twitter? Well, here's what came out of that reporting that I wasn't sure about you could get if you got your hands on someone's Twitter account. And we know that Elon Musk was doing everything in his power to stop it, like with, above and beyond 
to try to prevent the prosecutors from getting their hands on Donald's old Twitter account of anything Twitter had done ever before when asked by prosecutors to have access. So always- Almost like, like he was there for that purpose. Almost like he's there for that purpose to protect, like the PRA. This was, it's the, it's the, it's the Musk RA. It's the MRA. <laughs> like he's in there. That's that sort of protective thing. Like we got to protect anything that had to do with Donald's communications and records, including, and especially his Twitter account, which he was very active on. Well, there's something that I noticed years and years ago I noticed that his tweets, some of them were kind of in a different syntax. <laughs> it was like, it, 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 it wasn't quite, it was like it was pushed through a Google Translate or something. It was not him. Right? And people would like, oh, that's Dan Scavino or maybe a lawyer. And we finally got reporting out of that, that, you know, Scavino did have access to Donald's uh, Twitter account. But what did we just find out from the reporting now? We found out that in handing over all of the information on Donald's account, unless it got scrubbed, um, the prosecutors, Jack Smith, will also be able to see, and the forensics people that go in there, where who logged on based on their IP address, their location. Mm. Yeah. So my question is, did Donald give access to his Twitter account to somebody located and say, I don't know. Moscow, St. Petersburg, Riyadh, Minsk. And the reason I asked that is something that I picked up again years ago. I was looking at there's something called that in an email, there's something called foldering that is a way of having secure communications without transmission, right? So you don't want signals intelligence to intercept a transmission. So uh, a technique was used with email mostly by. Uh, terrorists, terror networks, also by spies. And General uh, Petraeus. And, and General his, Petraeus and did it with his girlfriend because he knew about that from his work studying Al-Qaeda and studying the Kremlin mm -hmm. um, and, and, spy, and spy agencies, where if you give someone else access to your email account, they can write an email in draft and save it in drafts, and therefore it's never transmitted. And then you log on and you can read in the drafts, and then you can delete it, it's gone and you can do a draft response. And so people in different locations can communicate without ever sending a transmission simply by logging on to the same account. That's called foldering. Well, that could also work in Twitter if you do things in draft tweets. So I'm very, so I put that thread up years and years ago. I like, I think this is what's going on. I think there's a back channel with some fuckers and they're like writing drafts and and some of it was just to control Donald's communication. So say this, say that. Maybe sometimes there was an accident, like Cafe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's it, there's something going on with this Twitter account aside from just, you know, he's got DMs going on with people. I, I don't, I think, the, I mean, the, the, I can't even imagine the DMs. I'm sure they're damning and horrible. But, you know, <laughs> there's something about this. I was I thinking about right. the foldering example. Like uh, that's exactly what I was thinking too, as you were talking. Um, I think you're right about that. And we know that there are these DM chat groups with like 50 people where they coordinate, you know, hashtag deployment and you know things yeah. like that. Try to control the discourse. So we know that there's that, and we'll get to see more about that. But yeah, I think you're right that there's there's meme warfare and coordination going on through his account backstage. 
I mean, there is front stage, clearly, but like <laughs> but something like if somebody from Riyadh yeah. is logging on to Donald's account yeah. or Beijing or probably St. Petersburg. Yeah. And uh and there's evidence of that that he gave access to his Twitter account to a foreign national in a in some intelligence agency, then I can maybe understand why when that news broke that, oh my God, Jack Smith's got his hands on the Twitter account and he can trace back the IP addresses that logged in, Donald might take to his own so new social media and go, Maturian candidate, Maturian candidate. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I could, it could be stretch. I could be connecting things that aren't connected, but it, it doesn't I, quite I, feel that I, way. I, I think you're right. Based on everything that I learned about, you know, just what I saw happening in the public discourse between Russia and Trump during the yeah. 2016 campaign. And I wish I could see behind the scenes, but I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, just like what I could see and like tell the story of like, he tweets something and then RT like agrees with him and recirculates it and writes an article where they quote him. And then he, you know, like yeah. you could see how they were building the coordination. Of, yeah. It was absolutely coordinated. Um, there was that guy, Artem something, something. I can't remember the, the Twitter account who would tweet out like Amy Coney Barrett is going to be the next thing. Like, <laughs> you know, a day before it happens. So, you know, that happened in real time. That guy started following me. I, I'd never hit the black button fast enough. Wow. Um, I don't know how do you say story. slide into your DMs in Russian, by the way? Can we do Cyrillic in this thing? I, 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 you know, I'm not sure. We should talk for a few seconds before the, did the bleeper bleep already? It, do we bleep, have... it beeped. Ah, fuck Eight it. minutes. We made it. Okay, whatever. Real quick, before we get into the, the boom thing, which is, we don't need to spend eight minutes on that anyway. Um, what do we, you know, Elon Musk today said he's going to he's gonna get rid of the block function, which is basically, you know, something that, that subjects people to harassment online. I mean, it's yeah. just a horrible thing. And he's, I hate him so, I really hate him more than almost any human. I really do. I hate him so much uh, that it, my heart is filled with hate and I hate it. I hate that I have to feel this way. <laughs> about somebody. Um, it really um, makes me mad. But um, I also saw somebody posted on Blue Sky uh, that, well, actually, if he gets rid of the block feature, that's illegal in the EU. And there's some other thing that he can't do. It's so the it's Google not- store. He can't yeah. use the Play Store. Right, right. Yeah. Google or Apple. So it's like yeah. he would yeah. basically be shutting down the site do to do that. So it's not going to happen. But maybe that's what he wants. But he also likes to backpedal and said it's as a feature. And so he'll just rename it something else. Yeah, right? I and say no. I have, he'll just make garbage up. He's just a garbage, garbage yeah. mouth, garbage, yeah, and I garbage hate, mouth. I hate having to pay any attention to him at all. Like this yeah. was so predictable that I literally wrote a fucking piece about it the day he bought Twitter and told everybody the seventeen things he would do, and he did sixteen of the seventeen. <laughs> and the only one of the seventeen that he didn't do is sell the DMs on the on the dark web, which for all we know he did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Exactly. So like, you know, that once you view again, I'll be like your idea of this frame, like once you look at yeah. things at a certain angle, Elon Musk bought this thing to either destroy it or fuck up the communication system because it's dangerous to fascists. Twitter right. as a, as a, as a, um, you know, the, what do you, what do you call it? The, town square. Thank you. As a town square is dangerous to fascism. It's, yes, it's it you know, it, it creates situations where people can have revolutions and take down these motherfuckers. And, you know, Emerald Mine Boy doesn't like that because, you know, God forbid. Uh, so anyway, um, that's what he's trying to do. It's always been obvious. 
But if, if people didn't realize that before, it should be very obvious now. And if yeah. you view everything through that lens, everything that he does is just, you know, we knew he was going to destroy the thing. We knew it. It was always there. So I don't know. I'm on Blue Sky. I hope they open it up soon. I like Blue Sky. That's my favorite of these alternatives. Just okay. Well, I have it. I know you I don't, and I don't use it. And I need I to know you put were. your Blue Sky up there, Jen. So people got to see that. You know what's on Blue Sky? I'm the same everywhere. I'm the the five eight is on the blue sky. I Boom. saw that. Boom. Yeah. yeah. The five eight. No python <laughs> or any of that shit. Just you know, with the numeral eight at the end. All right. Do we have any other announcements? This is no our announcement space. We have an after hours. We have an after oh. hours tonight, everybody. Yeah, for for our for our um our members. Um oh. you have to you have to be a member, you have to be a paid member to come to the after hours. Fancy. It's like it's two dollar cover charge, basically. It's a speakeasy. Yeah, it's, it's a, a speakeasy. speakeasy. I like That's speakeasy. exactly right. We call it that. Yes. I like that. I'm good at branding too. Thank you. Yeah. You rhetoric, man. You should study that. You should study rhetoric. Should, yeah, you should teach about that. You should teach about that. Well, I, I, when I you were talking before, I wonder if, like, I, I was imagining Trump like taking one of your classes and what that would be like, and I think that should be like a reality show. I think that would be fun. Like, here's the syllabus and him like puzzling over it, and you know. What's a um, syllable? <laughs> <laughs> What's this? What is this? Hey, he went says to he's a genius. Come on. Yeah. Mm, very stable. He's very stable. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, Jen, do you have any announcements? It's really hot here. <laughs> ah, tell you're in Texas, yeah? I'm in Texas. The heat yep. dome. The heat dome heat sucks. Dome. Well, that is a great segue into our next and a final <laughs> segment. And like okay. 108 a little for video. The last month and a half. No rain. Oh, God. No rain. Not, oh, boy. Here we go. Good. Here we go. I put on my glasses for a second so I could see the comments. Um, right. So to remind everyone what Left of Boom is, since we are season four premiere, new. Um, so it, it comes out of a military term about actual from, there we go, right, and right of boom, of a, of a thought of like you're trying to get to a bomb and detect a bomb or an attack before it happens. So there's a certain kind of behavior that you do when you're to the left of the boom, um, preparing for it, trying to find it, gathering intelligence, seeing what you can do, what are the preventive things to try to prevent it. And then there's the boom. So the bomb goes off and then you're right of boom. And when you're right of boom, you got to behave as if you're on the other side of the boom. There's different behavior now. And so a very brilliant person applied that to what's happening with the environment, right? So we're no longer left a boom. There's no preventing climate change, if not climate catastrophe. There's probably no preventing all of the environmental refugees that we're going to start seeing um, and just the mass death and destruction, planetary extinctions of species, all of this. We, we're in full boom. And what we need to be doing with our resources and our thinking and our, our energy is 
is preparing for how we're going to rebuild. That's right of boom. And start directing resources in such a manner uh, with the understanding that we have not prevented. We're in the middle of the climate catastrophe. We didn't do it. It's too late. So we're to the right of it. We're, or we're in full boom. We're going to soon be to the right of it. And we need to start thinking that way and allocating resources. So, you know, that what happened in Lahaina is, I don't know how many more wake up calls we can have. And I don't think we have a, we're not going to have a death count for a while. And it's going, it, it already is the largest loss of life in U.S. soil um, to an environmental catastrophe. Uh, I just think it's going to, I don't know, guys. I can't even start talking about it too much. It just makes no, me- we we have to we feel Jen, just to you know give you some background here. We don't want to like end on a down note, but we feel like we have to talk about it because nobody's yeah. talking about you know, and it's yeah, like you're saying, the weather in Texas is no, completely it's fucked. crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And where I live, obviously, it's an oil and gas state, and those yeah. oil and gas billionaires control the state and they control all the choices we make, and it's really messed up. Hmm. Um, you know what though? It's also bad to be like, we should acknowledge what's going on, but we should also like not be, like get mired in the doom hmm. and, and that, cause that's unfortunately helps the fascists. Um, there's a great newsletter that I read called future crunch. Do you know about future crunch? No, it's, um, it, but I don't it's know. like a, a good news newsletter. Okay. Um, and they have a free edition, but they also have a subscription. If you pay for the subscription, they pull together resources and donate them to some charity that they highlight, you know. But it's all about how there's all this good news that we don't hear about mm-hmm. um, because we have a negative news bias, right? So we pay more yeah. attention to like the threat or the scary thing. And so what they do is they pull from, I think they're based out of Australia or New Zealand maybe Australia, they pull from the world's news sources and they pull out like, oh, guess what? They're getting rid of malaria here. And they didn't think they'd be able to do it so quickly, but look at, you know, they have, or, you know, China has so much more uh, electric power than we thought that they could ever have, you know, at this point. And, you know, it's like going gangbusters or whatever. Like they just pull and they're like, all over the world, these are the stories that you didn't hear about. And when you read it, you start to think like, oh, actually people all over the world are already solving starting, problems. Yeah, starting, yeah. starting, I think the right. US is the slowest, right? But <laughs> right. starting um, to, to really work on solving problems. And I think that that's news that we should all pay attention to because yeah. then we can support those efforts. And we can too. support it. That's the right of boom mentality. Yeah. So the right of boom mentality like is to get out of denial, get out of right. denial, stay away from this sort of the, the hamster wheel of thinking, Oh, well, if we just all do this, we're going to prevent. No, 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 it's too late. You have to, yeah. the, it's not that that's doom and gloom. It's that it's, you need to be in reality. And, and when you're yeah. in reality and you're dealing with what's around, then you can make a plan. Yeah. You can make yeah. a plan. And suddenly you're left to boom again. It's just a yeah. circle. You're back around to where, okay, we're we're now, because we embrace where we are, we now know, all right, for the infrastructure, so to speak, okay, let's deal with the rising floods. 
We need to throw yes. a shit ton of money there instead of, uh, you know, stuff that maybe, you know, you got to prioritize, you got to prioritize right. based on human life and population and, you know, just no, I love that. the resources. Because the billionaires want to like colonize Mars, right? Like that's their plan. Please their plan go. Please is, go. Like, Just go. We there wreck and do this it. planet. So like, let's upload our brains or whatever consciousness to Mars and just start over there or whatever. Um, I well, don't like done. that idea. That's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to work. They're that's done. That's not for me. Yeah. So I think we really like, we got to work on this planet. Anyway, That's so I'll post show. a link to Future Crunch too. I really recommend them. It's a bright yeah. uh, ray of sunshine each week. Yeah, we need rays of sunshine, except <laughs> yeah. maybe not in Texas right now. Maybe we need rain. That's so yeah. hot. The heat dome. They call it a heat dome. Heat dome. That's, well, has, the, has the power been okay? Because, you know, the power. The power has been okay. Yesterday, they asked us to conserve power voluntarily, but um, it's been okay so far. And I have lived here 20 years. It has never been this hot. Wow. wow. Like never been this hot. So wait, when they said to, to voluntarily give up power, did that mean, did you stop mining Bitcoin or did you keep doing it? <laughs> we turned off several of our air conditioners for part of the day. Okay. Yeah. Because in Texas, you have to have more than one air conditioner in your house. Yeah. In New York, you have to have more than one. Oh, really? Okay. So. Yeah. I've got I never experienced that in Illinois or California. <laughs> These Mitsubishi HVAC things are fantastic because they're they're low lower energy and they they work great. So, you know, That's good. That's good to know. I mean, whatever. It it, it what could is, be better. There's no central air. What's happening here? No, I have the I have the 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 Mitsubishi units and they're the, like the things you have in the restaurants. The they're the things yes. wonderful. Well, I'm so far north now that it's it's lovely you know but a ton of rain yeah, talk More to me rain. in talk to me in february i'll talk to you in february <laughs> no one remembers this amount of rain before so no. i feel like everyone is having that conversation of like and not the typical of like oh yeah you know everybody says that every year no it's extreme now we're into ex yeah. you know based on the past this is the new it's extreme weather but yeah. if we embrace it as the new weather <laughs> Again, we can, weather. if this is the new weather, then we can all make decisions based on the new weather instead of hanging on to the past and how, oh, no, we'll get it to go back the way it was. No, nope, not going back. Yeah. It was raining so hard when I woke up this morning at like five o'clock that I thought, I, I don't even know what I thought. Like I looked out the window and there was like Noah with two zebras. Like it was crazy. Like it couldn't, <laughs> you know. Rain and then it stopped. And then in 10 minutes it stopped. I was like, how could it rain that much? It was just yeah. insane. It's well, never going to rain a ton in California. So yeah, there's going to be a hurricane in California. That's Crazy. coming. Missed that one by. By the way, just can I vent about this for a minute? Who's yeah. who's in charge of naming this shit? I know. How dare you name a hurricane after Hillary? Fuck you. That's yeah. it. How dare you? Yeah. It's Noah. Like you know, it should be all <laughs> the names of hurricanes should be all like Republican politicians. Hurricane DeSantis, Hurricane Trump. Hurricane Some of my favorite Vivek, people are happens. atmospheric scientists here on my campus. And uh, don't blame them. It's not their fault. Yeah. Who's the who's the woman from South Carolina? Why can't I think of her name? Nikki Haley. Haley. Hurricane Haley. Hurricane yeah. Nimrata. It's coming. There it is. <laughs> oh, no. Hurricane Vivek. Vivek, I'm going to give Ukraine to Putin. Fuck you, Vivek. It, he's got the same forehead that Matt Gates has and the same stupid hair and the same dumb ideas in his brain.
So, you know, hey, I forgot to ask Jen about the debate because because Trump is not going to debate. Let's end with this. Actually, this yeah. is a good ending yeah. topic. Um, so what do you think? Because Trump now um, there's like 17. I, I don't know. I think there's like there. I'm not sure if there's more co-conspirators unindicted or more people running for president as Republicans <laughs> right now that are going to participate in this debate. But Trump is not. He is instead going to be interviewed by Tucker Carlson. Woo woo. That's going to be fun to watch. What do you make of that as a rhetorical choice? Yeah, it's an interesting thing because, um, you know, sort of like you were saying before, uh, I try to think of, you know, what does the fascist do in this situation? <laughs> and of course, he wants to show dominance, right? And so one way you show dominance, if you're Donald Trump, and this is what he has done historically, is you go to the debate, and then you run over everybody, right? You complain about the moderator and their questions, you insult uh, and attack the opponents, right? You show that you're like the alpha male or whatever um, that you pretend to be. And in doing that, then you get like your authoritarian points and uh, your audience is exhilarated and titillated and all's good, right? Like that's the typical Trump way to do it. Um, there was a couple of times where he refused to debate, which was, you know, him trying to, again, like make a power move of, oh, you insulted me. So now I'm bigger than you and you need to know that. Uh, so this move in this moment is curious to me because on the one hand, he is quadruply indicted and he needs to dominate something or someone, <laughs> Right. Right. And so you would think he needs it more than ever is what you're saying. <laughs> he does what he's up against. Yeah. Yeah. So you would think that he would relish the attention and the ability to go and dominate in public so that he could get his cheers um, and his money. Um, but instead, he's doing this Tucker Carlson thing, which I don't really see him dominating Tucker Carlson. I mean, Tucker Carlson is Tucker Carlson, but like he's not going to go on there with like the point of like, I will show you Tucker Carlson, like <laughs> who's boss. And so I feel as though it might be a mistake for him in his mm. fascist, you know, mm. spectacle um, to not do the debate. I think he should do the debate. I think you're I, right. I agree with this right here. Uh, I uh... think he got legal advice. Don't do it. Because if you yeah. slip up and you say stuffing, they can yeah. use it against you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like that's where it was coming from. Is, is there and Trump, if there's one thing we know about Trump, he always listens to his lawyers. Yeah. Well, I, think, I think when they, if wow. he, he has another option. Yeah. I don't know. One if, of these fuckers should just do the bok bok chicken dance from Arrested Development at Trump. Yeah. Like, seriously. <laughs> like, what? DeSantis, what are you doing? You're losing anyway. Just be like, you know, the more chickeny, the better. That'll show. That'll show Trump. I, I like the Trump better. chicken balloon that they put out there sometimes when he's at events. Good. That's good. It looks good. We it's might so have good. to put that on the pool table. <laughs> Isn't it on the pool table? I think it is. On the pool table. I don't know if it's the chicken one, but is that the chicken one? Chicken. I thought that was the baby know. one. We don't Maybe know. It's, it's a good looking remember. Trump chicken. I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember I can't either. Okay, so it's nine thirty now. 
so in 10 minutes at 9.40, we will begin the after hours, which maybe we should call it speakeasy. <laughs> from now I like speakeasy. 5-8 speakeasy. Yeah, 5-8 speakeasy is better. I like that better because I keep calling it after show. It's speakeasy is so much better. And uh, I've been to real speakeasies. They're cool. You know, where yeah, you they know have. where it is and know the word to get in. It's fun. Um, you know, New York City, man. Okay, so... Jen, this has been you've been on you've been on with us with us for two hours. So you're wow. like I I bit off more than I could do. Thank you for hanging out with us this whole time. Yeah, um, you it know, was a joy. It, yeah, Thank it was you. great to, great to have you on. Um, again, the book behind you on your on your lovely um, what is that called? Is that a is it a credenza? What is that called? That piece of furniture. It's the thing that my husband got at a um auction <laughs> okay the, the booklets on that thing somebody wrote it in the in the comments and, the and, and cor I don't know. correctly identified what it was um demagogue for president the rhetorical genius of donald trump um so go read that everybody who hasn't and uh yeah jen thanks again for joining us thanks, uh, thank jen. you for watching us we're excited to be back um, we appreciate all of the members everybody that joined everybody that did the stickers and all the stuff we appreciate all the comments even though we don't always respond to them i do keep an eye on them throughout the show um so we appreciate that we will see you in i guess now nine minutes okay uh good night everybody the five eight is hosted by me greg oliar and lb stephanie Koff. animation is by chunk at Chunkled. The music is My Spy by Howie King, the sum of all music. Please like, share, and subscribe here and on YouTube. To become a 5-8 member and support our show, go to the 5-8.com. That's the F-I-V-E number 8.com. Join the party this weekend. We're your Friday night hang.